we should often think about our judgment. Each and every one of us will undergo a judgment. I can only imagine uh, some of the councilmen in Cincinnati. Some of you may have heard. It's been on national news over the past two years. The, the, the five, five council members who in Cincinnati have been indicted for mail fraud or for taking loan, taking uh, bribes and things like that, secret meetings, which is against the city constitution and things. I can, and one, one of them is being tried right now in federal court. I can only imagine what's going through his mind and what's been going through his mind the last year and a half since he was indicted. Okay. Uh, you have to imagine yourself when you're dying and in your last agony with no more than an hour left to your life. Imagine in that very short time you will have to be presented before your judge, our Lord Jesus Christ, to render an account of your whole life. Nothing will then so much alarm you as the remorse of conscience. As you put your accounts before our Lord on that, on that great day. When you're on the point of entering into eternity, how will remorse for past sins be with you? The diffidence with which you've treated life. The increased suggestions of the devil at this last hour. The uncertainty of your future. All this will cast you into confusion and fear. And so, dear men, it is time is for now to unite ourselves to our Lord and to Our Lady for that critical moment that they may not abandon us. If they're with us, we have nothing to worry about. If they abandon us, we should be terrified. We should be terrified at the thought that in a few moments we will be judged by our Lord, St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi, being ill and being asked by her director why she trembled such. She said, how terrible is the thought of being obliged to appear before Christ our judge. This was a saint of God who felt that way. We're fortunate, as was St. Mary Magdalene. We've been redeemed by his blood. If you were the only person in the world in need of redemption, our Lord would have gone to Calvary just for you. Would you do it just for him? It is the common opinion amongst the theologians that in the same place, at the very moment in which the soul departs, it is judged by our Lord, that very place. So that in that same moment, the trial is gone through God has gone through our entire life in a moment. Sentence is passed and execution of the sentence is begun. One final moment in which is decided the happy or miserable state of each of us. 40, 50, some of you 30, 20 years ago, you were born into this world 
how happy your parents were. I just talked to a grandpa for the first time. He just became a grandpa yesterday or the day before. How proud he is of his new grandchild. At that moment, the moment of you, where your life would cease was determined by God, had already been determined by God. The venerable Father de Ponte, when he thought of judgment, he trembled to such a degree that he shaked the whole room that he was in. If Christ were now to judge me, he asked, what would become of me? He's a venerable. The souls go forth, the soul goes forth, it leaves the body, but it is sometime doubtful whether the person is still alive or not. So the bystanders, your friends, your family, they're there, doubting, is he still alive? Is he dead? The soul has already entered into eternity. <coughs> the priest is convinced that the man is dead. He sprinkles the corpse with holy water, and he repeats the prayers of the church, Come to his assistance, all ye saints of God. Meet him, ye angels of the Lord. But if the soul is lost, these prayers of the priests are worthless, useless. Jesus will come to judge us, appearing with the same wounds that he received on Calvary. These wounds will be a source of great consolation to you. You're penitent, I know you are. Who with true sorrow have lamented their sins during life, but will be a source of great terror for those who have died with sin on their soul, not caring whether they still maintain the friendship of our Lord Jesus Christ or not. How painful will it be for man to behold God for the first time as his indignant judge. The pain will be so great that it will be more painful than hell itself. You know when you've committed a sin that you're very much ashamed of and your grandmother finds out how painful it is simply that grandma found out. Hell, is much, hell itself is less painful than the judgment of an indignant judge, our Lord Jesus Christ. Men will then behold the majesty of the judge they will see how much he suffered for them, for love of them. You will see the many mercies which he has exercised towards you. <coughs> the many and the great means which our Lord has afforded that you may save your soul. You will see the vanity of all worldly things and the greatness of those which are eternal. Men will see in a word all these, these truths, but if we die in sin, the sight of these truths will be of no advantage to us. Right now, we're a salesman. We, we have a product to sell. We show people pictures of it. We show them how flexible the, the shoe is or whatever the case may be. We, we show him to try to sell it to him. Showing him, we think we can convince him what a good product we have. That you will, be, you will see all the truths of your soul, the sins and the virtues, 
but they will give you no advantage. There will be no convincing of anything. There will be no more time to repair past errors. Similarly to what Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. What is done is done. How beautiful will the countenance of our Lord be for those who have served our Lord all their lives, or at least at the last. If we have ever before despised his graces, let us now esteem his graces above all the kingdoms of the world. Our sentence depends upon us. What a great consolation will one enjoy at the hour of death in which he is judged, who for the love of Christ has been detached from all worldly things. As I think we said in a previous conference or else in the conference to come, many people carry a lot of dirt in their heart, a lot of earth in their heart. But this person has disposed of that, has mortified their bodies, and in a word has loved nothing but God. There are such souls. We of the Society of St. Pius V are blessed with so many individuals like that. What joy will one experience in hearing it said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom or to the joy of the Lord. Be glad and rejoice, for now thou art saved, and there is no longer any fear of being lost. Well done. You know you've all respected perhaps bosses, perhaps individuals, perhaps ancestors, and their compliment meant just so much to you. You can't imagine what it will mean to you to hear the words of our Lord, well done. St. Thomas Aquinas, you know he wrote the sermon. I think I mention it sooner or later in these conferences. He thought it was straw. I mean, it's way above the intellects of most people. Thomas's, Thomas Aquinas, his summa. He was going to burn it because he felt it was so poorly done. St. Thomas is described by the Guinness Book of World Records as the smartest man ever to have lived. Our Lord stopped him as he was carrying his summa over to the fire to burn. And he said, Thomas, thou hast written well of me. What do you wish? I'll leave that for later because it's in here. On the contrary, the soul which leaves this life in the state of sin, before Jesus condemns it, condemns himself and will declare himself deserving of hell. God won't throw us into hell. We will plunge ourselves into hell at the judgment. Mary can help us now. But she will not be able to help us then, after our death. Everything will be set in concrete and stone, so to speak. If we die in the state of sin, she cannot help us. If we die in the state of grace, she can. With things a man man sows, those he shall reap. Let us examine right now, what have you sown? over the past 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And let us do now what we wish we would have done then. What we wish we would have done now. If now within an hour 
we had to appear before the judge, how should we willingly be, how sh willingly would we be to purchase another year? Here, Lord, here's 50,000. Let me live another 365 days. And then how would we spend that year that would remain to us? Probably the same foolish way that we did the previous year. The abbot Agatho, after many years of penance, he thought of judgment and he said, What will become of me when I am judged? What shall we answer when the Lord calls us to render an account of our lives, of the graces which he has bestowed upon us for the bad use that we have made of them? Father Faber, this is not in my notes, Father Faber once said, the greatest evil in the world is for men not to appreciate the graces given to them or the need for grace or the use of the graces given to them. Our Lord, uh, what shall we answer when our Lord calls us to account of the graces bestowed upon us and those which we have used poorly? We do not deserve pardon, yet God does not desire that we lose confidence in his mercy. Desire for amendment will lift us from the muck that we're presently mired in. Each one considering this should say to himself, I shall soon be judged by our Lord. Why therefore do I not leave all things, and why do I not give myself to God? Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. So many try to seek him at their convenient time, when they want to do so. He who at his judgment after his death loses God, will never again find him. But in life, he who seeks God will find him. Consider the general judgment, please, dear men. Do we look forward to our appearance in the Valley of Josaphat, as Scripture calls it? There we will change our sentiments, there we will lament our folly, but to no purpose, to no avail, to no advantage and you who are afflicted in this world be of good heart and merit merit while you can on the last day all your pains will be changed into the delights and into the enjoyments of paradise your sorrow should be turned into joy your bodies are going to be changed if I get to heaven I'm not going to be overweight I'm going to be agile, as agile as St. Gabriel. I can travel the, from one place to earth, from heaven to earth at the speed of thought. I'll have a brightness about me. Agility, impassibility. No longer will I have headaches, body aches, bone aches, feet aches, diabetic pains in the feet. On that day, your pains will be changed into the delights and enjoyments of paradise. Your sorrow shall be turned to joy. What a glorious appearance will the saints then make, those men and women who were despised on the earth. 
What a horrible appearance will so many nobles, kings, and princes who were once idolized on earth and now condemned. Well, cons when we consider eternity, what is the world? What are pleasures? What are honors? When God asked St. Thomas, here it is, I didn't know it was here, what he wanted for having written the Summa, St. Thomas's response was, nothing but you, O Lord, nothing but you. That would be simple enough to make into a flag for our summer at St. Thomas Aquinas summer camp. Nothing but you, O Lord. And that says a bunch. That says a mouthful. We should only desire God alone and nothing more. This was a reaction to Thomas. He didn't think about it. He didn't go finger, fingering through the catalogs. Hmm, what do I want? Hmm. Well, I guess I'll take you, Lord. Nothing there looks too good. He didn't have to do that. That's his way of life. What horror will the reprobate in that day experience at being separated from our Lord? Christ, by that terrible sentence, publicly pronounces, Depart from me, ye cursed. Depart. We deserve the sentence of eternal death. But in turning to Christ, we have hope of pardon. What joy will the elect experience when they hear themselves invited by our Lord Jesus Christ to partake in the bliss of heaven? And those sweet words, come ye blessed. Our hope is in, as I've mentioned before, his precious blood. Let us reflect that one day we will meet in the valley of Josephat and be placed either on the right hand with the elect or on the left hand with the reprobates. You might feel lonely. You might look over there to the right and see one of your best friends. Come join me on the left. He's not going to trade off. He's going to leave you over there. We're going to go there by ourselves. We must now consider our soul before judgment. If we find our souls unprepared to appear before our Lord, let us correct. Let us amend them now while we still have time. The purpose of this retreat is to detach you from everything which is not God. To unite you to our Lord Jesus Christ as much as we are able. How? By meditation. We started off with that. By communion. By fortifying the senses. By prayer and reflection. The use of these means which God affords us for our salvation are a sign of predestination to heaven. The Calvinists have a theology of predestination. The Catholics have a theology of predestination, but they differ greatly. The Calvinists, it doesn't matter what you do. You're either predestined to heaven or hell. doesn't matter. You don't have that free will. In the Catholics, you do. But in the Catholic Church, those who are devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary, devoted to the saints, devoted to our Lord, th that is a sign that they are going to save their souls. The Lord can punish us till the end of the world. That's okay with me. So long as he does not permit us 
ever to cease loving him. He can punish us to the end, but if we do not cease loving him, we still have it made. We still will be in heaven. Consider the remorse of the Christian in hell. The greatest torment of the soul in hell that he has to endure is remorse over the fact that he didn't have to be there. Scripture says the worm dieth not. It is a cruel worm for a Christian to be lost in hell. To know how very little they could have done to prevent this. At present, what does our past life appear? But a dream. Some of you remember quite vividly back to childhood. And you spent 20, 30, 40 years since then. But what is a life of 40 or 50 years? Well, how does it appear to the soul in hell? When after hundreds of thousands, this is going to sound like an evolutionist, what I'm about to say. But it's absolutely true. After hundreds and thousands of millions of years, you know how they say how old the world is. After that many years have passed, and they will pass, those in hell will find that eternity has hardly begun. That's how long it is. After a hundred thousand million years of suffering in, in, in hell, they're not looking at their watch. When is this over with? It's not going to be over with. It's just the beginning, and it continues. So does the joy of heaven, too. Don't let me depress you tonight. I know it's easy to do so. Eternity has just started for them. What will those miserable pleasures for which they sacrificed their salvation appear to them now? They were only here for 40, 50, 60 years. They were asked to do certain virtuous actions. They couldn't do it. The joys of the world, the, the senses of the, of the passions were too great. They will ask, have we then for these accursed gratifications, which we scarcely got to taste, before they were ended, condemned ourselves to burn forever in the furnace of fire, abandoned for all eternity? St. Alphonsus has a real unique way of looking at things, doesn't he? Another subject of remorse will be the thought of how little that they were required to do in order to be saved. God doesn't ask us to totally consume our lives such that we don't take care of our family or our health or that we don't have any joy. God doesn't ask that. They will say, he, had we pardoned those injuries done to us? Had we overcome the human respect that tempted us? Had we avoided the occasions of sins? We should have been saved. What would it have cost us to avoid those impure conversations? That bottle of Jim Beam to deprive ourselves of those accursed gratifications. 
whatever they would have they have cost us we ought to have been willing to pay everything to obtain salvation now they see but it doesn't benefit them but we did not do so and now there is no remedy for our ruin our eternal ruin the key to pleasing God is to frequently receive the sacraments practice our meditations and recommend ourselves to God we have promised to love the God of our soul but we have time and time again failed and we continue to fail his death on the cross says it all what great suffering will there be in hell because of the graces given to the damned they're not given in hell they were given to the person before they damned their soul we might have been saints and happy forever in heaven but now we are to be miserable forever in hell they will reflect what they lost willfully lost through their own fault notwithstanding that our Lord actually washed all that away by his death on the cross they brought it back God gave his life for our salvation that they will understand and we fools willfully cast ourselves into the furnace of fire forever such will be the eternal lamentation of the damned you know sometimes people get tired of hearing of another's complaints the sky has fallen in everything is wrong I had one of my boys here well, maybe one of your sons was here a few weeks a week or so ago and they were jo- they were quite jovial and one said look something so and so is wrong and another boy said the cup is half full okay we have to look at it in the positive sense at times and the benefits we do have we have to turn to our Lord while we still have time left the true Christian suffers with our Lord in the garden of Gethsemane there was a sick man in great pain and suffering and this man had no one to pity him God bless you but he had many to load him with injuries and reproaches uh, for his disorders they scorned him with great bitterness for his faults those in hell are treated much worse they suffer all kinds of torments without the slightest compassion of anyone those who are in hell cannot love God who is most lovable they are constrained by their sins to hate him this is hell not to be able to love that which is good God our sovereign good if the damned could resign themselves to the divine will as pious souls in suffering do now and are able to do hell would no longer be hell the damned shall rage like wild beasts under the scourge of the divine justice and their rage shall serve but to increase their torments it's not gonna you get upset at something you you hit your thumb with a hammer you blurt out a world it makes you feel a little bit better you think 
not to the damned. If I am assigned to hell, I would be incapable of loving God and I would hate him forever. He who has done no evil to me, he who created me, and he who has bestowed countless graces upon me. Chastisement, the fire, is not the greatest punishment in hell, but to be able no longer to love God. Think of the horror of a soul. I thought this was rather interesting how Alphonsus, St. Alphonsus, uh, brought this forth. Think of the soul in hell as it first enters into hell. He's in disbelief. Am I really here? Am I really damned? Well, surely this must be some mistake. There has to be a remedy for this sentence. Millions of ages shall pass away as many as drops of water in the seas, as many as grains of sand on the shores, as many as leaves upon the tree, hell will still be hell. The damned will flatter themselves, thinking that it's, well, hell's going to one day end. Russell Crowe thinks that. The damned will be most certain that all their torments which they suffer every moment, truly they will know will continue through eternity. Greater will be the torment of those who have often meditated on hell, and yet by sin have consigned themselves to hell. That's us. We cannot lose time, dear men, but we must begin now to appreciate and love our suffering Savior. Let us tremble and save in our souls. For as St. Alphonsus says, he who does not tremble will not be saved. Puts it very bluntly, very succinctly. All others will abandon us, but God will never abandon us if we allow him to help us. If we ask him, the Lord is our ever faithful benefactor, he is our treasure. He is our friend. He could not have demonstrated a greater love for mankind than by dying upon the cross for the sins of mankind. It was the will of his father that the son die on the cross. How much did it cost our Lord? Understanding that, teaches us his ardent love for mankind. When we look at the crucifix, we have a faint knowledge of how much sin offends our Lord. If the, if the vilest of men had suffered the torments that our Lord Jesus Christ suffered for us, we could not but help to love that man, to give him our affection and our gratitude. But how do we repay our Lord? He's not the vilest of men. He is the most amiable of men. Christ suffers and dies for no other motive than to love us. The beautiful flames of Christ's love for us should consume us and destroy in us all earthly affections and all earthly desires. 
In return, we must render each and every sacrifice asked to our Lord. God suffered so much upon the cross because he loved us. Could he have suffered less? Yes, he could. One drop of blood is sufficient to redeem a thousand worlds. Had he, had he loved us less, he would have suffered less. The weight of the sins of the world hang upon three nails, through his hands and through his feet. Why should we fear that our sins will hinder us from becoming saints? When our Lord has instituted a bath that cures all ailments, the bath of his own blood for our souls, does he wash? It is sufficient that we repent and that we desire amendment. Our Lord on the cross had you in mind in his thoughts as he prepared all the graces for us. Had he had to save only the soul of each one of us in particular. All of our riches are in prayers and he who prays obtain everything that he can desire. What I want to leave you with are ten rules that St. Alphonsus says will cause you to lead a good life. The first one has four parts to it. A half an hour of mental prayer every day. Well, that's an awful lot. It might seem like an awful lot, but it's not. That morning prayer can include Mass, your morning offering, visits to the Blessed Sacrament, to Our Lady, your rosary and examinations. Your rosary in itself takes 15 minutes. That's half of that half hour. Secondly, St. Alphonsus says, go to confession every week. I encourage you to go to confession every month. Okay? Uh, if uh, in Cincinnati we're blessed to have between 800 and 1,000 people, if we had 1,000 confessions every week, Father Jenkins and I would be uh, grow moldy in the confessional. Uh, that's why I say go every week if you can. Be obedient to your confessors, the third rule, St. Alphonsus says. Ask him, and then do what he wants. Do what he asks. You have more to gain by his judgment, because he has nothing to gain, except for eternal salvation. Unless he uh, guides you wrongly, then he's got a lot to lose, his own soul. Avoid idleness. Our younger generation, and I exclude the men that we have here, our younger generation live on idleness. They live on their computers. They live on their phones. They live on public entertainment. Avoid idleness. Don't buy your son's smartphones. Get him a football instead. Get him a baseball and a glove and a volleyball. Immediate action, take immediate action against temptation. This is the fifth rule. Take immediate action against temptation. Shut it down. As Barney Fife says, nip it in the bud. Okay. When, when number six, when sin is committed, repent, amend, and confess. Number seven, your favorite, listen to sermons. 
listen to them. You can be doing a whole host of things. I don't get on the internet. I know probably 95% of you are. You can get what Catholics believe. You can get sermons from the congregation, sermons from our churches. You can get the retreats online. Fast as your confessor permits. Don't fast on festival days unless he tells you you can. You may want to do more. He has in mind your health. He has in mind continuity. He has in mind perseverance. Number nine, be resigned in adversity. You will always have adversity. Be resigned. That doesn't mean tolerate sinful things. I'm not saying that. There will always be those who will oppose what you do no matter how good you are, no matter what good you want to do. And you might guess what the 10th one is. This is St. Alphonsus. Make the retreat every year and make a day of recollection every month if you can. That's really what you're hearing in the, in the meals from a little book on a day of recollection each, each day. I'm sorry, one day a month is what you're hearing. And I picked select months out there to try to apply to our retreat here. It's a book published back in the 1850s. Do these things and you'll lead a good life. Many of you are doing these things. Many of you are doing many of these things. Maybe some of you are doing all of these things. And I have a confidence that someday if I get to heaven, I'll be seeing you there.